ora and welcome into another episode of Sky Playmakers. I'm your host, Joey Wheeler, and I'm joined by Highlanders and Stags fan favourite and ex-All Black and good friend of mine, actually, Elliot Dixon. Elliot, welcome on into uh, Sky Playmakers, and good to see that you've, oh, well, tidied yourself up for, for this uh, podcast, bud. Yeah, just woke up five minutes ago and just got a coffee and just thought I'd just throw on the, um, the hoodie with the most sick on it and, and food from the kids, so, yeah, ready for it. How are you, mate? Good to be back in New Zealand after a, a long stint uh, over in Japan. Yeah, really good, bro. Yeah, 10 months without the family and kids was um, pretty tough, but um, really happy to get back into the new place in Christchurch and settle down and then, um, yeah, obviously off, off again, off again in a couple, maybe in a couple of weeks. When did you sign with the Stags to go to head south and, and how did that how did that all come about, mate? Mm. Yeah, so obviously under 20s happened in 2009. So I was looking to sign with the Canterbury Rugby but they had um, a couple of boys in front of me, so obviously Masi Manu and um, I think there was a guy called Patterson that used to play uh, lock slash six. Yes, Michael so they were just waiting for him. To, yeah, Michael Patterson to see if he was going to sign back with Canterbury. So they couldn't give me a deal. They couldn't give me a, a like a complete yes or a complete no. And obviously in the under twenties, I'm I'm good friends with Robbie Robinson and and um, Alex Ryan and and those boys and they were already down in the south and set up and they said that it was awesome and so I got a call and they sent me an offer sent me a contract and it was either stay in Christchurch and toil away um, not getting paid or go down Southland get paid and and actually give it a crack so went down to Invers and yeah it was pretty good decision I think you talk about that stag side um, back when you joined it there was some some brilliant personalities of New Zealand rugby. You think uh, Wopper, mm. Jamie McIntosh, Cabbage, Jason Rutledge, um, John Hardy, Scratcher, Braden Mitchell, like um, Josh Beckuis, Lurchy, like so many uh, yeah. awesome um, provincial footy players and, and great Super Rugby players. What was it like for you coming from Christchurch, your bubble of Christchurch? That's all you've known. Down to little old Invercargill with with these Roosters who are who are bloody hard case. How did you find fitting in with them? Really easy, actually. Um, I don't know if they'll say the same, but it was <laughs> it was just a yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. Just obviously um, being able to be a sponge and soak that in, and that era as well, the 2009-2010 era of or 2011 era of of the Shield as well. So um, yeah, I think I just got a taste of of quite hard footy, but like awesome off field stuff, um, professionalism. Obviously, when they're on the field and training, but when they're off field, they um they took care of me. They knew what to do. They um showed me the ropes, and and we had a good time too. In those days, um, everything was put on. Um, you just go down to the Spates Ale House and go up to a table and. You're sorted for the next six hours whenever you wanted to go home. I suppose you wanted to go home. But, yeah, it was a great time to be um, a young boy playing rugby in Southland, especially with those characters. As you, as you mentioned, we I think um, my first year down there, or, or 2010, I remember our starting our starting 15 were all super rugby players. So it's a, I suppose it's a big step from what it is now down in Southland. But um, just the talent and and the amount of um, good players down there at that time. Now, you said you are involved in, in, well, a couple of Shield areas while you were at the Stags. My first real experience was playing Otago down in, in his first game, and, um, yeah, the whole Bleachers 
you know, the bleachers on yeah. Invers where it's all just yeah, um, the terrace, yeah, yeah so half the yeah. terrace was half Otago <laughs> and half South, Southland, and then there was just like cans getting thrown the whole time. It was awesome experience. And, it was my first start in an I-10 Cup game playing eight, and I was just getting jib from one side and then love from the other side. So it was, it was quite a cool experience. I heard on that uh, that trip down as well, I think the Otago supporters came down on the train, and obviously it was yeah. a, um, a well-lubricated uh, train ride for a lot of the a lot of the folk, but half of them um, got left in Belclutha because they got a bit excited and ended up in the local pub. Anyway, I digress. Um, you then went up and you, and you won the Shield off... Canterbury again uh, at Rugby Park, Mm -hmm. wasn't it, uh, post-earthquake? Yeah, so 2011, yeah. So that's just after, yeah, I think it was 2011, we bet Canterbury, yeah, at Rugby Park, so where we usually did the training and stuff for the uh, development team, for Canterbury development. We um, bet them off. Bit them there, which was which was an awesome experience, and I was meant to get on the flight to go down and have uh, a good night with them, and um, I ended up staying in Christchurch, thinking that I'd get the next flight out, and it snowed, so I couldn't get home till Tuesday. So I actually missed out on everything on that one, so I was a bit disappointed. Oh, smart, maybe some people might say smart, but yeah, that's usually wow. the, well, the best yeah. thing about Shield Rugby, right? Is the celebrations. Just coming home like that. Yeah. Yeah, far walking out. into walking into the two pubs in Invercargill. Yeah, well, Whopper got sort of um, the keys to the city due to those couple of wins, didn't it? Yeah, he still yeah, has a hero, he's, 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 yeah, he does. He does. He he bleeds on it too. I think he goes in there and he just wears it around his neck or just takes a photo with him. Remember this? <laughs> yeah, tries to get a free meal. The next Tim Shabbat. Um, Mate, in yeah. 2011, you then um, obviously got you got called up to the Highlanders um, for that that preseason when Jamie Joe was um, just starting with the with the Landers. For you, young fella coming in to Super Rugby, a uh, bit of an eye-opening experience the the preseason, and I'd imagine um, it being run by Jamie, it would have been even that yeah. little bit harder again. Oh, mate, yeah, she was, um, yeah. So I went into it from a quite an inviting environment. For Southland, like, um, or just like a, wanting their young players to do well to an environment which was pretty hostile at times. Um, I remember one of my first days um, on preseason training in 2011, I think it was 2010, going into the 2011 um, season, was we're doing the down ups and just Jamie yelling at us and then. If we drop a ball in a, in a drill, he'd just tell us to go run links and saying, you're no good to me, you're no good to me. A to B, A to B, get out of here. I was like, holy, what's this? Where's, please be nice, be nice. And um, I remember at the end of the year, oh no, the start of the year, they called me in and they said, um, I think it was KK and and Jamie Joe. Kieran Kane, um, yeah, yeah, Kieran Kane. Kane yeah. yeah, he's a, if you know Kieran Kane, you know he's kind of... A, intimidating man but he's quite short but he's just like built and I'm 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 19 20 years old walking into this meeting with these two and they just go to me ah look mate ah, you're not ready you're not ready we've picked you we picked you because we didn't want anyone else to pick you you're not ready for another year you're not going to play I was just like oh yeah sweet first week of preseason thanks for telling me that so so she was a long year. Yeah, you were just doing yeah. down ups. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Me, me, and me and Halani Aleki, I think. Uh, Night Train, remember Night Train? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we both got that. 
we both got taught uh, told that in the first year. So it was a good fun year. That, Off the, the field, that Islanders team, uh, 2011-2012, um, you know, started off with a hiss and a roar. Um, played mm. really, really well in those um, the start of those seasons. Then obviously. Um, fell off the wagon towards the end of the year. Uh, reasons yeah. around why they you'd fall off the wagon that that team towards the end of the season. Yeah. Dip. Yeah. Well, look, when they had twenty three players that they built up week in week out, and they played them week in week out, and they played them and they played well for nine weeks um, or eight weeks or whatever it was, and won let's say six or seven games out of those eight weeks, but then. If injuries or tiredness, which happens in a campaign, um, they didn't have anyone else to bring up or they never really gave a taste to younger players or um, really trusted other players to play. So, um, yeah, I think that was the big the big thing was depth. You can't really just ask a 21-year-old a that's never played a game to get in there and play like Adam Thompson when he hasn't even played a game or hasn't had the trust or... Um, yeah been built up he's just been broken down at down ups and everything else so yeah it's a, it's a, it was a bit of a different um, atmosphere and then it kind of changed well obviously 2013 wasn't a good year um but yeah, it kind of changed that, after that talk us through that year because obviously uh, an influx of i suppose superstars in new zealand footy come down to, to little old dunedin mm. did you come in 2013 uh yes well, obviously not a superstar yeah well yeah <laughs> that's what i was thinking i was like were you, I thought you were bracketing yourself in that no, sort of definitely stuff. definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, well, they made some good trades and some bad ones, let's just say. Um, <laughs> so they got Joey for cheap, I hope. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so we got a we got an awesome team. We had probably the best team on paper. I was looking around. I was like, I'm never going to play this year. I'm not going to play at all. But we're going to win the champ. We're going to win the ship. We're going to be there. So um, I remember we played the first preseason game, pumped the Blues or, or the Chiefs by 40 points. I was like, yes, we're going, to, we're going to go good here. And everyone else was – obviously, we just bought a championship team, like the Miami Heat in their first year. Um, and then it went spiraled downhill. And uh, there was a running joke with Scratcher, with um, Braden Mitchell, um, Owen 8. So we're with Owen today or Owen 9. So we got to 0-9 and, and then the Sharks didn't take a penalty kick in front of the post and, and they actually ended up losing by two points. So, yeah, we got a win. Look, the funny thing about that week, I remember, Dicko, is when we all got snowed in and we didn't train all week, we just did captain's run and then put in our best performance of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Were, I think that was just the Blues, man. So we didn't train one. Well, we trained that's right, yeah. Captain's run. Yeah, that's right. Train captain's run so, yeah, and then yeah. we we went and pumped the Blues and we was like, <laughs> Oh, what's happening here? And they they made a lot of changes and they let other people play. And yeah, it's quite different. Yeah, but there was just a split in that team um, from players that were uh, near the end of the career to to players that were starting their career. And then the management, I think there was a little bit of a rift in, in that as well. Not not saying that I knew anything about it, but I just kind of felt it, and especially on the trip in Africa. Yeah. Um, when we got told we're going to meet at one place to have have a feed and a drink and then half the team goes to that place and then the other half goes to another place with the coaches. It, it was quite a yeah. Yeah, different time. Yeah, you're right, mate. Uh, fast forward a couple of years, obviously um, 2015, we all know mm-hmm. what happened there. But for you, what, what changed 
in that in that team and, and that environment to to get the team into that position where you know you're we're finals bound. Yeah, um, I think yeah, it started in 2014 uh, when we got Malakai Fikitoa down, which was he was awesome for us. I think he just gave us a real spark, and and Brownie obviously came in and and, and gave us the confidence to pull the trigger, as he says. Um, and we all just started playing well. I think we all just started getting game time. They kind of went away from trying to buy players to more build players, which was quite a cool experience and and quite a cool time to be part of the team and yeah they just gave us confidence to go out um obviously 2014 we got to the quarterfinals for the first time for a long time and then 2015 that run was yeah i think that started down in invercargill versus the chiefs after we beat them yeah. i think we pumped them by 40 points down there and then we went unbeaten from there i think there were six games in a row that we won and just built confidence from there on in yeah and in the final obviously um that try. <laughs> Talk to me mm. about that try. Everyone, uh, everyone, Which one? <laughs> was that, that one that you that you, you market yourself off when you've got um, a little card with you scoring scoring the try. <laughs> Mate, that's the only reason why I'm still playing. That's all. <laughs> You're still it's still bankrolling your career. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, the house. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But that, thank but, you. In all honesty, that try obviously massive part of that game, but um, yeah. To this day, you still love winding people up on Twitter, having a dig, the happy anniversary to people. Yeah. Like it's yeah. obviously a massive yeah. part of um, who you are, and it's great that you do feed off that. Do you just love winding people up, especially north of probably of Canterbury? Really, everyone everyone else probably thinks it's not a try. I just love winding up a couple of people like <laughs> Andrew Mulligan and Bryce Casey, just because. They bite so quickly. Like I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just—I wouldn't even do anything. I'll just like a comment or like a, um, a photo, and then, like three minutes later, I get a message from them saying, "Oh, that's not a try." And then I'll just say, "I'll just drop it, man," just like I did, like in hashtags. And then they just—they just—they don't like it because eh? they keep on saying, "Oh, we've got it. We've got proof. We're going to show it on next time we're on the on the radio show." I was like. Come on, man. It was, it was six years ago now. Let it go like I did. Oh, it was a good. 2016 comes along, uh, an All Blacks opportunity yeah. for you. You make your All Blacks debut. Um, a dream come true for you, obviously, mate. Yeah, yeah, it was, obviously. I, I never really um, got into the game thinking that I'd become an All Black. Um, one of the big goals was actually becoming a Māori All Black, and that happened pretty quickly in my career, which was which was awesome. Um, and then um, there was a bit of talk in 2015 saying that I'd be going to the World Cup and, and stuff like that. And then when that didn't happen, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to have a better year than that. That was one of my best years and I don't think it's going to happen. And I was managed to play well in 2016 and, and um, yeah, get into the team and, and, and make my test debut down in Dunedin versus Wales, which was, which was quite awesome. Back to where it started. Um, in front of family and, and friends and obviously the hotel. How did you find your All Blacks experience? Because, um, you know, you didn't, you didn't play a hell of a lot of test matches, if we're being honest. And mm. how, how did you yep. find the limited time you, you, you spent in, inside the All Black squad? Yeah, it was all good. Like, like uh, yeah, it's quite hard for me because obviously um, I only played three tests and um, so I might have a different experience than somebody that's played quite a few tests. Um, I found it uh, 
a little bit different from the Highlanders where I could be myself. Um, and I'm quite a bit of a character. And um, as you know, Joey, like in trainings and stuff, I'm, I'm shouting, I'm, I'm yelling, I'm having fun. Um, but when it comes to game time, I switch on. And I don't think that um, the environment that the, the All Blacks had in 2016 was was um, probably a fit for me. Um, and yeah, it just I think I just got, I felt that quite early on and um, put myself into my own shell and then it kind of, um, yeah, capitulated into not getting picked in 2017. But I, I yeah, I just felt like... Um, obviously around the coaches and I couldn't be Elliot Dixon and I didn't really want to change who I was to, to fit a team. So You then headed off to Japan to, to Rico yeah. uh, to, to play for the printers, one of the printers companies. Um, yeah. That, that yeah. experience um, on and off the field for you and your family, how, how did you enjoy the whole Japanese rugby experience playing for a team that's probably, you know, not, not one of the top dogs? Yeah. Um, yeah, so in 2018, I managed to be able to um, uh, get a release from my NZIU deal um, so I could go play over in Japan and play Super Rugby the next year to try and um, play my 100th uh, test, uh, 100th game for the Highlanders. So I managed to go in 2018 with the family. Um, I ended up getting there and it was like 33 degrees. Um, <laughs> And I got on a plane the next day and had to go to a 10-day camp up in Abashiri, uh with the, with the boys and Pedro stuck uh, stuck with the kids for 10 days in 30-something degree heat. And, and I just felt so bad. But, um, yeah, we managed to make it work. And, and I had a great time. The first year was, was awesome. Um, it, was, it was different rugby. It was fast, but not as physical. But really good bunch of boys, good New Zealand boys, good Australian boys, and um, just a cool team culture. Uh, last year you had a couple of COVID scares in your, and this year uh, in, your, mm. in your team, and the Rico team. Yep. How did that affect yep. you, mate? Um, obviously being away from your family for one, and then um, for, yep. the, for the rest of the foreigners, scary situation? Yeah, obviously, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a terrible time, obviously, for my last two years with, uh, Rico was all pretty much a semi-lockdown with uh, with the team, so not allowed to do too much. We were allowed to um, go to training, not allowed to eat with anyone um, for more than 15 minutes, not allowed to talk with anyone for more than 15 minutes. We weren't allowed to go to a coffee place uh, with anyone. So it was pretty much go training, go home, unless it's an outdoor activity. So we played a lot of golf. But, um, yeah, it was kind of... By the end of it, um, mentally fatiguing. And then, obviously, when it came to we were meant to play Suntory and our whole team pretty much got COVID. Um, yeah, it was a frustrating time for, obviously, the club and us and for the boys that have been away from their family and, and their kids and their partners for nine months. It was just a, let's get out of here. Um, a bit of a sour taste left in the mouth. It's not no one's fault. It's just... Um, just the situation that happened in Japan at the moment. And yeah, it sucked for everyone, I think, yeah. While you were um, over there, you had Tui, your, your third child, she um, she was born. Mm. You, you managed to be there yeah. for the birth, and then mm -hmm. you had to go back to Japan, was it one or two, uh, two weeks yeah. later, one or two weeks later? One week. One, one week, week later, later yeah. and then you didn't see her for how long? 
Oh, okay. So I, when did I come back? So the twenty twenty, the season got cancelled in maybe April. So I, she was born in twenty nineteen December, and then I came back mid April. But I had to do two weeks isolation. That's when it just started. But you had to do it at home or something like that. So I stayed yeah. at my brother's house, and then um, so that she would have been about four months old or three months old, and then I stayed at home until the. The next preseason started, which was in August. So I stayed at home for maybe three months, and then I left from August until May. Wow! Yeah, May this year. Yeah, and so she, when I left, she was doing nothing. She was just farting, eating, <laughs> doing nothing. And then when I came back, she was trying to talk and walk, and yeah, it was yeah, it was quite a. I think that was one of the biggest things was reasons why I wanted to really come back and and if i was going to do something i'd do it with the whole family just because it was it was yeah missing out on those little moments and and things was um pretty heartbreaking when you're overseas and not really allowed to do much and not really play much either so yeah how hard was that time um for Paige and and obviously your two older boys toby and and huxley as well how did they cope with um with dad being on the other side of the world away for so long yeah, I think it was um, struggles, obviously. Um, I think the kids are pretty resilient and um, they did have some upset days and nights and stuff where they were, were pretty upset and um, Paige would send me videos of them crying and stuff like that and asking where I was. And um, I think Huxley understood like why I was there, kind of, that I was doing doing it for them to try and, um, you yeah, know, bring money home but they didn't really have a concept of that and um toby was just young and yeah just just wanted to get away from um probably mum telling him off all the time because he was a bit of a rat bag but um but yeah Paige obviously she did a super super job of um nine or ten months by herself with three kids um she also moved into this house while we were away i we bought the house after I had left to Japan, so I'd seen it once, and um, and then she moved everything into here, and um, yeah, she did all that with the three kids, and and she left me the other day, um, for, I think eight hours, and I had three kids, and I was exhausted after eight hours. I was like, no, how did you do this? I had to try and put two to bed, feed them all. They're all like, I'm hungry. I want this. I was like, ah, like noise. <laughs> turn on the turn on the TV. Go outside. So, yeah. I oh, could only awesome. imagine what the mental struggles would have been after nine months. Yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, I think she was pretty happy to to get a helping hand um, back. Yeah. Oh, you're a champion, Paige. Uh, now the family's <laughs> heading off to France. Um, you're going to join Beretz, um towards Beretz, the end of, in, yeah. a, in a month or so, I believe, <laughs> heading over there for a couple of years. Yeah, so I'm hopefully depending on visas and stuff like that. So in a month, so um, heading there till well two seasons, which ends up being 2023. So just when the World Cup is starting, I think is when we'll finish our contract. So we'll either um, come straight back, or we might even travel around and have a look at the World Cup and stay stay some time if we don't play again or extend the contract. Yeah, oh, it's awesome, mate. And as uh, Paige and the kids excited about um heading over to to france um i think slowly getting there i think it's just the shock of um trying to get this place sorted and um, get all our stuff there and 
get visas done. But I think, um, yeah, I think that if we're going to do something like that, the kids are at a good age and it has to be now. It can't be in a couple of years' time when, when they've got real good friends, they're really settled in like schools and stuff like that. I think we have to move them now and, um, and enjoy it while we can and just, um, yeah, get into the culture, try and get into the language and, and experience something different because we're never going to get the chance to go to the south of France and live for two, two years and, and get paid while doing it, you know what I mean? Like, as a family, those opportunities aren't going to come. I'm not a, I'm not a very skilled person outside of rugby, so I'm not really going to get a big job somewhere in France. So it's... Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of like a weighing up the opportunities and, and, and what we can do as a family. Oh, mate, well, we, we wish you all the best. I know everyone um, who's played alongside you um, loved you as a teammate. As much as you were a pest, uh, we all loved you and we wish you all yeah. the best uh, over in um, Baritz for you and your family. I'm sure it'll be a, an awesome adventure. Um, but, yeah, thank you for joining yeah. us on Playmakers. We really appreciate it. Cheers, boss, and uh, thanks for having me. And uh, cheers, Joey. I think you still owe me two hundred dollars, so just send that in the mail, mate. What's that for? Huh? What's that for? That time that I shouted you drinks and you never shouted me <laughs> drinks. Like, that was... mate, oh, mate. elephant doesn't forget, bro. <laughs> thanks for joining us on Playmakers, and make sure you tune into all the other episodes coming up. Good on you.